Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. I'm going to ask you a sensitive question. You're the radio woman? The existence of fairies has never been a question. The answer is no. They're real. You didn't let me ask the question. Very real. So, what am I looking for? There's something going on out there at night. Those woods. Anybody who started to ask questions later on was either permanently silenced or encouraged to be silent by the evidence that others were being systematically permanently silenced. What would fairies really look like? Really look like? What I'd like to know is, why did you bring her to me? Me. Would they look more like us? Spiteful, malignant, deadly, deadly, deadly. The word Corrigan is used interchangeably by a number of different writers of folklore. Sometimes a Corrigan is a dwarf or a gnome. In other tales, the name Corrigan is used in place of the word fairy itself. Walter Evans Wentz, in his book The Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries, quotes Theodore Hersat de la Ville who argues that the Corrigan's designation is entirely separate from gnomes and dwarves a theory that is backed by many common legends, legends that cast the Corrigan as a siren, water sprite, or other lustful twilight creature, luring men to beds or watery death, or sometimes both. The Corrigan, when seen at dusk or nighttime, are allegedly very beautiful, but when encountered by day, they may appear different, frightening, with white hair and wild, crazy eyes. Thus, it is said, the Corrigan prefers the night. In many common tales, the Corrigan is the fey creature most likely to take advantage of the stupidity and hubris of man. According to one well-known British poet, there are nine Corrigans who dance with flowers in their white hair around the fountain by the light of the full moon. And if any human should encounter one of these nine, they will fall victim to a glamour and fall into a deep, cursed love with the Corrigan for the remainder of their lives. Fairy is a ParCast production, available exclusively on Spotify. From the Public Radio Alliance in Minnow Beats, Whale, you're listening to Fairy. I'm Ryan Bailey. Stay with us.
In the last episode of Fairy, we continue to explore the existence of the South Star, a creature Elliot Waters referred to as a Spriggan. When I asked why Waters didn't try and bring the Spriggan to one of his former employers at the department, his response was surprising. He told me that the Spriggan would be in danger if she were returned to what Waters refers to as the Fade, that certain of the Fae folk, as he called them, wouldn't look kindly on one of their own who had taken up with humankind. He also told me that he did try and bring the Spriggan and another fae creature, something or someone he referred to as a Corrigan, to meet a former department operative in order to provide proof of the re-emergence of these creatures from the fade. But something went wrong. He also mentioned something else that I found surprising. Elliot Waters told me that the Corrigan was his ex-girlfriend. I asked him to explain. The Corrigan was your girlfriend? Yes. Is that something that happens? It's personal. Okay. So, what are you willing to tell me about what happened? I brought the Spriggan and the Corrigan into somebody I was able to track down through some old connections. Somebody at the department? Former department, yes. And you did this to convince them that the Fae were back here, in this world? Yes. Did it work? Not exactly. Did this person believe that the Spriggan and the Corrigan were really fairies? Of course. They knew what they were. Then, what was the problem? They also knew that I'd been harboring them, and that they were here long before the ten-year gap. How did they know that? I told them. You did? Yes. I didn't keep anything secret. I was upfront and honest. So, how were you planning on proving that the Fae were back if the only proof you had were creatures who had been living in this world for over a decade? The Spriggan and the Corrigan are connected to the Fade. What do you mean? I mean, they draw power and force of life from beyond the veil. Okay. They felt it. They knew that other fey creatures were here, that they'd returned, that they were coming back. And the Spriggan and the Corrigan told this to this person, one of your former employers? Yes. And what happened? They were taken, and I was imprisoned. Taken where? I'm not sure. You were imprisoned by your own people? Former people, yes. Traitors. How did you get out? An old friend. How did they get free, the Spriggan and the Corrigan? They didn't. What do you mean? I mean, the South Star used her 
abilities to confuse her captors, but... The Corrigan? She decided not to. Not to what? Not to use her abilities to escape. Why not? Because I'd asked her to trust me. To trust the department. The department no longer exists. She believed in me, that I'd be able to change that. What happened? She was sent back. And? And I'm finished talking about it. Although he did his best to maintain appearances, Elliot Waters was in a great deal of emotional pain. I could see it in his face and hear it in his voice. Whatever happened with the Corrigan, it had left a mark. You'll remember, a while back, we asked the demon, an investigator Waters had put me in touch with, to look into that silver SUV that had been following us. The demon intimated they were somehow connected to the NSA, and Waters suspected that they were also most likely former department. I'm bringing it up because I believe I saw them again, parked across the street when I stepped out of the grocery store. I saw two people I can only describe as agents, dressed in black, step out of a silver SUV, their eyes on me the entire time. They got out of the car and started walking toward me. I hurried down the street toward my car, which was parked around the corner. They made no attempt to hide the fact that they were after me. They reached my side of the street and hurried their pace to match mine. The man was on his phone. Just as they were about to catch up with me, they were intercepted by a woman. It looked like she was asking them for directions or something. From the corner, I could see that the two agents looked confused, that something the woman was saying challenged them in some way. They appeared deep in thought. This is when the woman who had stopped them turned to face me. It was the nameless woman who had been waiting for me in my apartment, the woman who had warned me about Elliot Waters. I stood there, uncertain. Part of me wanted to confront the woman, find out who she was, but I was pretty sure those agents had an agenda, and I wanted to find out what that might be before I ended up cut off from the world in some black ops site in Canada. I took down the license plate and got photos of the two agents, or whatever they were, and rushed back to my car. I asked one of my producers, Nick Silver, to help me look into that car and those people. I'll let you know if and when we find anything. Right now, it's time to dig back into the 57th poem in the book of Taliesin, the night song of the Banshee, or the Earworm. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. 
Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. With Margot Kinghorn out of the picture, I was worried that the Night Song publication might be going forward as planned. I still hadn't heard from the remaining two owners of the warehouses. I was getting ready to book a flight to Florida when I finally heard from Waters. You'll remember, he told me that he knew somebody who might be able to help. It's taken care of. That sounded kind of sinister. <laughs> I guess it kind of did. What do you mean it's taken care of? Well, I mean the warehouse. The books. I had somebody check all three buildings and take care of it. How? I called a friend. My name is Agent Ryan Bailey. Nice to meet you. That's a man we're calling Agent Cook, not his real name. He claims he used to work with Elliot Waters at the department. I use the phrase claims he used to work with because so far I've been unable to confirm the existence of the department to my satisfaction. Waters told me that when he informed Agent Cook about the books containing the night song sitting in that warehouse in Florida, Cook understood the potential gravity of the situation and took action. I asked Waters if this former colleague of his was willing to risk stealing books from a warehouse, why wasn't he willing to help Waters prove that the Fae were back and that it was time to reopen the department? Waters told me that his former colleague didn't actually steal anything. Apparently, he'd purchased all of the books at full price and then paid a little extra to have them eventually sent back to the publisher marked as remaindered or unsold. Of course, he would have already had the page with that song or poem, known as the earworm, removed. I asked Waters to put me in touch with his friend, the man we're calling Agent Cook. It took a few calls back and forth, but we finally set up a time to meet. Thank you for agreeing to meet with me. It's fine. Do you mind if we dive right in? Not at all. My first question might not come as a surprise. Okay. Do you believe in the thing that Elliot Waters calls the Fade? Yes, of course. And does this mean that, by extension, you believe in fairies? Fae folk exist. And yes, I believe in them. So why not just reopen the department? It's not quite that simple, I'm afraid. Why not? 
Well, for one thing, there aren't many of us left. Agents. Believers. There must be somebody in a position of authority who remembers, or still believes. Certainly, there are. But they've all been silenced, or worse. What do you mean? I mean, they've been reassigned, moved to other continents, divided, forcefully retired, and there have been a disturbingly large number of accidents, unexplained deaths. You suspect that there's a conspiracy killing agents, working to keep the department shuttered? Yes. These same people kidnapped Elliot's ex-girlfriend? You told her? She has a way. Yes. I believe those people took the court again. So that you couldn't provide proof and get them to reopen the department? Yes. How is proof that fairies have returned going to reopen the department? There are good people out there. We just have to get the proof to them. It's that simple? There are protocols, procedures that will kick in once proof has been established. So, we're back to proof of fairies? No. They know the Fae exist. They? They. What they need to see is proof that the Fae are back. The Spriggan and the Corrigan weren't proof enough? They would have been able to confirm the reemergence of the Fae, of course, had they not been taken. Right. But couldn't you two just explain what's happening? Maybe. If we knew how to trust. But even then, evidence is, or was, something we took very seriously at the department. It would have to be incontrovertible before we'd intervene. Why? There are risks. At this point, Agent Cook had turned his attention to Elliot Waters. It was just after he had referenced risks. Waters' expression had changed. He appeared suddenly pained and pale. And like I mentioned earlier, there are those who want the department to remain retired. Who? We're not sure, but they're extremely well-connected and resourceful. And there's nothing you can do? Not at the moment. No. What did you do in the department? I was an agent. Like Elliot. And now? Now, I do... other things. Like purchasing all of the books in that warehouse containing the Night Song? That wasn't actually the night song. No? No, but it was a song of power. It was dangerous. So you took it out of circulation? I made it look like it was remarkably unsuccessful and would not be reprinted. It's definitely out of circulation. 
like Agent Waters, Elliot, I'm working to try and bring the department back online. By yourselves? There are a few of us. More than a few, actually. So, Waters wasn't being completely upfront when he said that the department had been completely erased. What do you mean? He knew about you. Some things needed to be kept quiet. For safety reasons. Okay, I understand that. But is there nobody higher up who will listen? Maybe. But there's nobody higher up that we can get to currently. Who are the higher-ups, exactly? You know those rumors about a handful of people who meet on a boat somewhere to determine the fate of the world? Yeah. A few of those people. And they have things on their mind that rival the existence of fairies? They certainly do. Did you do what I asked? Yes. And? Okay, you're killing me here. What did you ask? What did he ask? I asked for proof. What proof? There could be... something. What something? We believe we may have found the singing stone. That's not what we agreed. We're not 100% but it looks like it might be a match. No way. What's the singing stone? It's nothing. It doesn't sound like nothing. What is it? The Beast of Bath. Anything but that. But what? It's been a while. I'm sorry, but I can't. Can't what? I understand. Is there anything else? I'll keep looking. Okay, Waters, what the hell is a beast of bath? The city of Bath was allegedly founded by Bladed, king of the Britons and eventual father of King Lear. According to the legend, Bladed was educated by the Greeks in Athens, founded a university that was crushed by St. Augustine for heresy, and created hot springs at the location of Bath through the use of magic. Apparently, as the legend goes, Bladed founded the hot springs and the city of Bath because he'd contracted leprosy in Athens and had been cured of his condition by a combination of the mud in the area now called Bath and the ancient practice of magic known as necromancy. There are many conflicting histories, but no concrete historical evidence that Bladed actually existed. But like the legend of King Arthur, most historians believe there are probably elements of truth mixed in with some of the more fantastic elements of Bladed's story. Evidence is something that I've been speaking with Elliot Waters about, a lot. I'm afraid I remain skeptical when it comes to what Waters refers to as the fade. Although I've recently experienced certain alarming and confusing events, I'm not sure I've experienced anything that can't be explained away by exhaustion, hypnosis, drugs, or some combination of the three. 
While we're on the subject of evidence, I've been concurrently and continually looking for evidence of a different kind. Evidence that might support something closer to Occam's Razor's version of events. Occam's Razor is a principle that might be simply summed up by, if there exist two explanations for something, the simpler one is usually better. Put another way, the more assumptions you have to make, the more unlikely an explanation is. Fairies, the Fade, Changelings, Spriggans, and a top-secret organization charged with their protection. That's a whole bunch of assumptions. It was while looking for evidence to support a much simpler explanation that I found something. It was something about Elliot Waters and his family. It was something that happened in England. Something that happened in Bath. Elliot Waters' wife and daughter were kidnapped. I understand if you'd rather not go into specifics about what happened, but because my story is about you, you understand that I have to ask. What happened to your family in England? They were... abducted. I looked into what happened. The police report says something else. Yes? It says you were responsible. I was responsible, but the police report is inaccurate. There's the official report, and then there's what actually happened. So, what actually happened? They were taken. How do you know that? Because Morgan told me it was going to happen. Who's Morgan? That's... That's a complicated question. She's a fairy, Spriggan. Not exactly. Morgan Le Fay. She's kind of unique. This Morgan told you she was going to kidnap your family? No, not her. She told me they were going to do something if I didn't stop. Stop what? Trying to close a portal into the Fade. Did you close it? Yes. And then what happened? Then... the small ones took my wife and daughter. You've been listening to Fairy. I'm Ryan Bailey. Fairy is a ParCast production, available exclusively on Spotify. Fairy is produced by Terry Miles, produced, mixed, and edited by Nick Silver and me, Ryan Bailey. Associate Producers, Carlene Bennett and David James. Executive Producers, Terry Miles and Hollis Adams Lane. 
If you enjoy Fairy, you'll love our other shows, Tannis and Rabbits, at tannispodcast.com and rabbitspodcast.com. For legal and safety reasons, we've elected to change some names and leave others out entirely. We don't do this very often, but we're unwilling to compromise people's safety for any reason. Thanks again for listening to Fairy.